And this is the world's greatest Springsteen podcast. I'm Fisherman. With me as always is Tom. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. Today is, I believe, November 18, 2023. Headed into the holiday season. Never got Never got Tom's tracks announcements. Looks like we're getting nothing for the holiday season. Things are kind of quiet in the Bruce world. There was a sighting this week in uh, at Roberto's Diner, Roberto's Restaurant in Freehold once again, a couple months, like a month or so, a month and a half ago. And when we were under the impression Bruce was under strict dietary restrictions, the picture came out with him sitting at the table with pancakes and orange juice on the table. This time he had the foresight of mind to not be at the table. And the picture that was taken with the owner of Roberto's and is going around the internet does not have his meal on it, but he was spotted again at Roberto's getting something to eat in Freehold. And I think that's all the news there is in Bruce land this week. Uh, So let's get right to the band because Steve Van Zandt is going to be on freaking 60 minutes this week. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I know Tom's looking forward to that. And uh you know anything about I mean he's not pitching well, the they books, have a, right? Yeah, they put out they put out a little 30 second promo for it. And um it there really wasn't much of uh as far as substance as far as what you we're going to see. He's promoting something. Usually these things come along, you know. His book was a way you think he's still pushing the book? And that's why uh, he's doing sixty minutes, or is there is there another project that that we don't know about that he's going to be doing? What prompted the Steve Van Zandt on sixty minutes interview? Do we know? It's hard to tell. They didn't mention anything. They just said he was on the Sopranos and he was and he's in the E Street Band, and he mentions that he's the only band member who can honestly tell Bruce what he thinks or. Um, Kind of just without fear, he, fear of being fired, or he just <laughs> yeah, he can tell him he can tell him the truth and not with no fear of repercussions, something like that. And um, so we'll see what it what it's what it's about. I'm not. Um, I assume they'll ask him about Bruce's health at some point. I'll probably give the the usual answer. Right, and we're recording this. On Saturday, 60 Minutes is on tomorrow, and by the time this episode is out, that 60 Minutes will have already aired. Maybe we'll get a chance to do a supplement before I release this episode and talk about what actually went down on 60 Minutes, because that's going to be tomorrow night. But by the time people are are listening or watching this podcast, it will have already happened. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about what actually happened on 60 Minutes. So we're going to break in here. Uh, we taped our whole podcast yesterday on Saturday. Today is Sunday. It's Sunday night. Uh, we just got a chance to finally see Steve Van Zant's 60 minute segment, and we didn't want to wait a week to talk about it. So uh, we're recording a, a special little few minutes that I will put into the episode that we taped yesterday and hasn't come out yet. So uh, we might be wearing something different 
or I might be wearing the exact same thing. I don't even know. Uh, so uh, I thought uh, every second of the 17 minute segment was excellent. I watched it with a smile on my face and tears in my eyes. And Tom didn't get a tracks to announcement. So he went the other way with it. Uh, what'd you think, Tom? What'd you think of the 60 minute segment? Well, there was nothing new in it. I was hoping for just something that we didn't already know. It was a, it was nice to see Steve and he, he looked really good. There was gorgeous 4K footage of the Rome show. Just yeah. only minutes. God, I'd love their raw footage. Uh, gorgeous. Of all the video we watched from this tour, and we've seen some beautiful video. It might have been the, the best video I've seen from this tour. It just looked so gorgeous. And uh, I thought it was a great expose. Steve was great. I thought... Uh, Bruce got in there for a minute, you know, mm -hmm. talked about his friend and we uh, got to see him and it was backstage, I think, or at least on site at the Rome concert and uh, got to see inside uh, his, his private offices back home or in, were they in New York? Where'd they say the offices were? I don't remember. Well, they were cool. He had a lot of memorabilia in his office and uh and you know yeah i mean it wasn't loaded with information that people who follow him already you know don't already know but uh right i thought it was great and we saw some some great footage and uh i i yeah he wasn't didn't he wasn't promoting anything i thought usually when they go on 60 minutes and and such They've got some reason they're on some kind of press tour. And what was it that drew him to 60 Minutes or 60 Minutes to him? I think that 60 Minutes just wanted some tickets to the Rome show. So they yeah, said, like, yeah. see if we I can think do you might be right. Do you, do you think there's uh, the, the video shot, you think that was that was mainly, that was from 60 Minutes only that did that? Well, no, we got to see that one shot of them walking into the camera that sits on on Max's riser that they always do at the stadium shows where the two of them like walk toward the camera and get their faces right in the camera and mug for the camera. Uh, they showed that. That was obviously off of the band's feed. Uh, but, yeah, some of that other stuff, I don't know. It all could have been screen stuff a patch into the screen um very well might might not have been on 60 minutes cameras at all whatever it was it was gorgeous well man if that's what the screen looks like i want a copy of that oh we definitely I, and this those giant screens for the stadiums those things are 4k for sure the the feed that's going into there that's 4k we would love to get right i'm telling you man if they would just do a nugs a Nugs for first of all, 4K is going to be $50. It's going to be, would you pay 50 bucks to watch it yes. at home on TV? Yes, uh, but you'd only pay for one, right? You wouldn't pay for like, you know, Fish goes on tour and they play and people buy every show. They they watch every single show. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't do that for Bruce. Would you, would you, at, at well, in the old days, I would have because the set list would usually be different you know and and as we know i mean just this last tour and 
maybe the tour before it, uh, they were really mixing it up on some nights. A little and bit. So, a little well, bit. Yeah, some were some were better than others. Fifty bucks a pop. At fifty bucks a pop, would you keep watching them on TV for the whole tour? I don't know how long I could. That would be sustainable for me. No, I would. I would pick and choose. And uh, if it was a show I went to, of course I'd buy that one. And if it was just something, well, no, I'm talking about live video streams. Oh, I see. So I have to. I'm kind of stuck with it before I know what what it is. You don't know what it is because you're watching it while it's happening. So, uh, so what what was notable? You think about the uh, today's sixty minutes telecast? Well, yeah, I did take some notes during it, but most of it, like we said, was was what we already know. The, um, he did say that. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, that he's writing this. At one point, I, I can't really tell when this interview took place because do you know well part of it was done in the states in his office which i think is in new york Mm -hmm. uh when we saw all that memorabilia and stuff on his walls but most of it and the part with bruce and the part where they're on the balcony that was done in rome backstage during the rome shows which was when do you know June or July, I don't remember the dates, but uh, you know, it was summer Europe. Okay, so because obviously they didn't speak about Bruce's uh medical problem. No, it was well before. I mean, that they, they were back in the states playing stadiums in the states when that really all came to fruition. This is in the summer. Okay, so um, he mentioned that uh, he was Steve was writing a screenplay. Right, I noticed that uh, the two things he knows about uh, comedy dramas about mafia and music. It's about he said it's about like these uh, mob like muscle guys collectors who want to become a band or musicians. It's like uh, what did I compare it to? Uh, uh, Rocky. He was a mob collector. He wanted to be a boxer, but they want to be musicians. So I don't know. It sounds good. You've got it backwards, though. Um, He said they're singers that want to be leg breakers. No, I think they're singers who want to be professional singers, but they work. Nobody leaves music to become leg breakers. Well, maybe if they're a cover band or something. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, that sounds like an interesting movie. I wonder how often he jots down ideas for movies and such. Yeah, well, definitely, uh, he's got p- people that will listen to him now. That's for sure. After the Sopranos and Lily and Hammer. Hammer, Lily Hammer, he was part of the creative team behind Lily Hammer. Yeah, and I thought that was okay, and it wasn't great, but it wasn't the Sopranos, but it was had its moments for um and. Uh, he mentioned that, uh, of course, he he was responsible for much of the guitar work on "Born to Run," "Born to Run" the song, and um, the horns on Tenth Avenue Freeze Out." We we kind of knew that, um, and he shaped the River album, and uh, and that uh, oh, he said that he left the band because of creative because of differences with creative input. And then 
60 Minutes said this, which I it's hard for me to believe this that they said, but they said that they Steve and Bruce reconciled in the late 90s. So is that could that be true that like they had this riff till the late 90s? And I guess they're trying to say I that- didn't really catch that or hear it like that. I mean, they got back together. The band got back together and he at Bruce invited him back in the late nineties. And that's where they could be going from. I don't think there ever was a rift. Uh, Bruce was on played on sun city and Steve was there for the greatest hits in 95 and everything they did there. I, and, and from the, all the things, and I I've heard a few things about Bruce in my day and all the things I've heard is that their relationship maintained. We've seen him at the concert for hunger in 93 come on stage and play with them i think they maintained a friendship throughout and even he even went to him for advice when he was doing those 92 and 93 albums and the album and 88 uh tunnel of love when when he wasn't going to be a part of the tour uh and i guess nobody was really a part of that album he got he talked to steve he runs it by steve i think steve gets a tape you know i mean that i don't think that's ever changed yeah, you're correct. And and not to mention, Steve played with Bruce and the E Street Band during the Born in the USA tour, which he wasn't a part of. He would come on stage when they played Jersey. Right. I think and- what Steve really wanted was to be a front man. That's the creative differences. I want to be the boss. And, you know, he realized at one point that being the side man to the biggest star in the world was better than being the boss of the Disciples of Soul. I think one day he was like, what did I do? I could have been, you know, number two in the biggest thing in the world is better than number one in something that's, you know, kind of obscure. Yeah, you're right. Um, so I think that was just some, maybe a a, a mistake, the, the way it was worded um, from 60 Minutes that they reconciled in the late 90s. Right. <laughs> I just, I heard that and I said, well, that... That didn't make sense, but well, maybe interpretation just... people, people interpret. Yeah. I mean, when you reconcile, that means there was a, there was an issue from 1989 till the late nineties. And uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, they, like, and the only other thing, you know, Bruce was on, which was a bit of a surprise. I don't, I don't know if I re- expected it, but there was a segment, small segment where they'd interviewed Bruce by himself for a couple of minutes. And then Steve walks in and then they both get a little interview. Yeah. They talked about their relationship. Bruce talked about Steve. They kept it on point. I think he might've, they might've shown just for like a half a second of Bruce backstage in that clip in the commercial and I wondered if that was like like new interview content besides because some of the stage stuff they showed on the commercial too, but you know that was concert stuff, you know. Yeah, um, and and that's that was pretty much the interview. I mean, uh, it was good, it was nice, but uh, it was seventeen um, minutes that went by really quick. I really enjoyed it. I was watching it with a smile on my face the whole way. There's an overtime segment on the internet. I haven't gone looking for it yet where he talks about James Gandolfini. So I haven't seen that yet because uh, you have to go find it on the internet on their 
60 minutes web page. And I was like, well, it's not Bruce content. Let's record the segment for the podcast. And I'll worry about watching the, the James Gandolfini segment later. And you did the same thing, right? You didn't see the James Gandolfini segment. No, I didn't see it yet. But like you said, yeah, I won't, it's not pertinent to, to the Springsteen world. So. All right. So that's it. We saw 60 minutes and, uh, I thought it was awesome and Tom thought it was all right. And, uh, and we will now return you to the podcast we recorded yesterday. Oh, I was going to mention that, um, there was a Bruce Springsteen category on Jeopardy yesterday. In case anyone missed it. I read about that. I missed it. And I tried to find somebody who, you know, a lot of people tape Jeopardy every night because they're not there at the time it comes on and they don't like to miss it. Couldn't find anybody who had a copy of it. Don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see it, but uh, I heard you saw it. How did you do on the category? Yeah, luckily my sister, Sue, I guess her and her husband are avid watchers of Jeopardy. So they, she texted me like right before it started. So I was able to watch it. And, uh, I normally don't watch Jeopardy because I try, I've tried, but I'm, I, I feel really dumb <laughs> after the show because I normally don't get anything right. Maybe one. That's it. And you got to be very quick on that show. You got to get, you know, you can't think about it long like you I do, do. You do have to be very quick answer. and you have to answer in the form of a question. Yeah. And I, and you got to, so I'll, I may start to think of the answer, and then there are already two questions ahead. So I'm like, there's no... So I'm a Wheel of Fortune guy, which is on before Jeopardy here in Florida. And then I shut off Jeopardy. So I watched it anyway, and um, there was uh, a gentleman who picked that category, Bruce Lyrics. And he got uh, he got one of them wrong, but he got the rest correct. They were all songs right off the greatest hits. So we're talking lyrics from Born to Run, uh, Thunder Road, Hungry Heart. Um, the last, the one he missed was Philadelphia, Streets of Philadelphia. And which one did you miss? No, I, did, I didn't miss any. He, <laughs> okay. he missed one. He missed that one. I got it. Get out while we're young. It's tramps like us. Born to Run. David, what is baby? We were born to run. Born to Run is the song. Uh, Springsteen lyrics for 400. Got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for Hungry Heart. And I never went back. David. What is Hungry Heart? It's the problematic beginning of Hungry Heart. That's correct. Taking you to $1,800 and bringing us to this break. We'll come right back and chat with our Hey, little girl. Is your daddy home? I'm on fire. All alone? Mm -hmm. I got a bad desire. David. What is I'm on fire? That's the song. Uh, Springsteen lyrics for 800. I had a friend who was a big baseball player. Glory days. School. He could throw that speedball by you. David? What is glory days? Correct again. And Springsteen lyrics for 1,000. I walked the avenue until my legs felt like stone. Philadelphia. Streets of Philadelphia. His Oscar song, Streets of Philadelphia. You know from our game Lurtle that I might not have done so well. At the, at the Jeopardy category, and then everybody would have been mad at me. When yeah, it comes to I Jeopardy, I do pretty well watching Jeopardy if I've got the pause button. You like you said, by the time you uh you spit it out there onto the next one, gotta use that pause button. 
brain, okay. you know, stoner brain takes a long time for these things to click. I can usually get like 70% of the questions on Jeopardy. It's when I take the annual, well, it's not even annual anymore. Now you can take it anytime, but for years it was an annual test online to try to become a contestant. That always made me feel dumb. I never came close to a score that oh. they would even consider. Yeah, every now and then, if there's a category like that, like the Springsteen lyrics, you know, you could get lucky. But otherwise, you you just have to be versed in everything, everything, every history, politics, just everything you need to know. So much potent of the world. Potables. Uh, potent potables, yeah, which is always the category on SNL, right? I know nothing about potent potables. I know very, very little. I can't tell you what is in any drink. I well, don't know funny, anything about what's alcohol. What's funny about SNL, they they listed that category every time and no one ever picked it. So they just they just have the title, Potent Potables. But that is a common Jeopardy category. That's why it was yes. funny. That's why it was funny on SNL. Yeah. Um, That's so back in, when the show was funny. In non-specific non-Bruce news, but concert news, last night, I think in Buenos Aires, I might be wrong about that, uh, Some a young woman died at the Taylor Swift concert. And the news is just coming out, but it looks like it was a heat, really. It was super hot. People were passing out. And we've seen that happen at Springsteen concerts, people passing out. And this woman in her 20s, young woman, uh, died. And uh, it was a result. There's, they think maybe it had to do with not dehydration or heat stroke. But I, I, she went into cardiac arrest. And people are already starting to blame the venue. And, the, and I don't know about the artist. Nobody's going to dare bear, blame Taylor Swift for anything. But but that they weren't allowing bottled water to come in at the gate. Hmm. And uh, they were refusing bottled water to come in. And then the bottled water inside was very expensive, cost prohibitive for many people and causing people to not drink. And it was like super hot too. I don't know what the temperatures were, but you know, those shows where things were, I've been to a few stadium shows that got a little crazy from the heat. But uh, so this, uh, this young woman died, and I heard that the Taylor Swift tour has already announced that bottled water will be allowed through the gate from now on at every show. Uh, but, uh, you know, we go to stadiums and we deal with this heat and we're older. This woman was in yeah. her 20s. You know, Bruce's fan base is older and people got to know that you can't go to these hot shows and not be prepared. And if, and hopefully they'll be letting water in and hopefully these stadiums are still equipped with drinking fountains. I know people are afraid to use them, but my generation's still willing to put their face into a drinking fountain. You know, the, the, the toxins from the plastic from the bottle is worse than whatever drugs from uh, drugs, whatever germs from the guy before you at the drinking fountain anyway so uh, be careful out there take care of yourself watch the heat if you have symptoms get to the medical tent 
There's always a medical office tent at a festival. People, uh, people who feel fine and think that they've got nothing wrong with them go really quickly downhill in intense heat. So, uh, thought I'd bring that up today. Yeah. These, um, you know, these kids, they probably get to the show very early too. And they're hanging out, you know, a, a Taylor Swift concerts, maybe two hours. I don't know, but you know, who knows how long they were, they were standing out there. I actually and, hear she uh, does over three hours, like three hours, 15 minutes, three hours, 25. Oh, she's got a billion songs and it's the eras to her. She's like playing songs from every part of her career. And then she's also got an opener. I know she's got uh, an opener mm -hmm. who, who was on Saturday Night Live this year. Her opener was a musical guest on Saturday Night Live this year. And she, Taylor Swift came out and introduced her. Uh, so, and I, I believe she's, or maybe she's just a backup singer with i don't know i don't know the whole story i don't follow taylor swift yeah you can't avoid her now she's on the nfl they should definitely let uh let as much water into the concerts as possible especially in an outdoor field and uh, and they should lower the prices of this water it shouldn't be 10 bucks for a bottle of water yeah that's you know, water is water costs nothing Water costs nothing, but people I, I'm pretty sure there's drinking fountains and people just are so afraid to use drinking fountains. You know, they're I'm from a different generation where you used the drinking fountain. You didn't buy a seven dollar bottle of water. And the drinking fountains were I don't even think they're cold anymore. They used to be cold, you know, the, but the water is now hot. On a hot day, it's hot. It's just like mm -hmm. drinking out of the hose. And uh I saw the Grateful Dead in Pittsburgh in a stadium three river stadium on like the hottest day of the year. And, uh, and they like opened a hydrant or ran a fire hose or something. And it was like off to the side on the main floor, you could go shower like in a big group shower of dirty hippies. Wow. Well, you may have you you may have just solved the homeless problem. <laughs> and anyway, none of these people were homeless. They all had $35 to get into a Grateful Dead stadium show in 1991. Okay. All right. So what so else did we were, have? We had uh, this Charles Cross. Mm. Charles Cross, the creator of the Backstreets magazine who threw his own legacy and his his uh, hero under the bus last year when he was going on radio shows or podcasts and just bad, biting the hand that fed him. <laughs> this guy made a magazine. Magazines usually cover genres. They cover a field of, of items under a certain time. One guy. This magazine was all about one person. It was a magazine dedicated 100% to one person. And in the end, and, and it gave him everything. Gave him everything in his life. The only reason we know the name Charles Cross is because he made a magazine about Bruce Springsteen. And then in the end, he threw Bruce Springsteen under the bus. And in this recent interview, he used 
similar inflammatory language that just irritated the hell out of me. So let's spend a moment and talk about the recent Charles Cross interview. Where was this interview, Tom? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> you found it someplace. It was yeah, it just wasn't worth um, looking at that part of it as far as who was interviewing him. But are we sure uh, it was a new interview, or you're not reading an article that well, is it, picking apart the old? Because he did a couple of videos back, like mm -hmm. when when dynamic pricing first hit and the craze and hysteria of oh my god, Bruce is charging five thousand dollars a ticket. You know, is it is it just like a rehashing of that? Well, yeah, it appears to be a new interview, but it, a lot of the same questions. Um, they list uh, Charles Cross as a Springsteen historian and Backstreet's magazine founder since 1980. Yeah, that's how and, Bruce, um, that's how the Bruce Camp views him history. Yeah, so uh, he mentions that uh, Bruce uh, Bruce messed up in '89 by dropping the band. Uh, we know about and then well not neither one of us agree that that was messing up no, right I, we love that era we love that that whole, those albums you know you're dying for a box set that's loaded with stuff recorded during that era yeah i think it's considered still a, a big mistake even by springsteen himself but yet you're right it, it, then we wouldn't have had all this other material and everything else so it's no there's no point of I think yeah. he's bullied into calling it a mistake. I don't, I don't think, you know, I think that, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he mentioned it himself during the hall of fame, just, um, right. The hall of fame where he was inducting the E street band. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about when he was inducted and he mentioned that, uh, he dumped the band, or however he worded it, and that uh, if it's up to him, that'll never happen again, or something words to that. In the meantime, he did Seeger Sessions and uh, the, oh, soul, the Soul album. That's a good point. Like, he, nothing would have changed if he just in 89 hadn't said anything and just done the Seeger Sessions, done, his, done this and another solo record, and but not actually said a said a word to the e street band about not playing with them ever again and then just 10 years later say okay he we're ever going said that he wasn't gonna play with them ever again i think what he said was right now i want to do something with with some other cats man <laughs> is that a real quote that's so funny. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's a real quote. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> I just want to make an album with some other cats a little while for a little while. We'll see what's going on. You dig? Um, so and then uh he he brought up again that uh Bruce Bruce really screwed up when tickets soared to five thousand dollars, and then he'd had it and he ended backstreets. Which uh well that's not right. I, he didn't end he sold back streets. Right. Okay, so Charles Cross he founded it, but Christopher Phillips is the one who shut it down because he bought okay. it years later. All Cross did was started going on podcasts 
and just started mouthing or about he's put out books with Springsteen. It's not his name selling that fucking book. It's Springsteen's picture on the cover that's selling yep. that book. He put out a book that was basically just set lists. You know, fuck um, this guy. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear his other complaint? Absolutely. Okay, he says that uh, tickets for Bruce Springsteen shows went electronic in the current uh, in these past uh, few years, and uh, so there's no more physical copies. And he he says that that is another type of betrayal, along with dumping the band. Betrayal. I owe, he he owes you some kind of special souvenir because you made because you know people made ticket stubs special. They're not special to Ticketmaster or to the venue or to the band. They're a means of knowing who paid to get in the door, and they used to rip them. They would rip them right in half. And then they put perforations. I think the perf were the perforations to make them rip easier, or were they to appease the people who felt these things were collectibles? Anyway, it's ridiculous. A betrayal. It's a betrayal. You took away our bonus, our collectible, our stupid little piece of cardboard. I don't have one ticket stub. I did when I was a teenager. I had like a board with all of them on there. Uh, the first time I moved, I think, was the first time I realized, uh, what do I need this burden of these pieces of paper to carry around the rest of my life? I don't. Now we have, like, digital cameras, and you can take pictures of stuff before you discard them. I wish I had pictures. I, 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 I scanned my Bruce Springsteen autograph that I got myself before I gave it away. I gave away the original and I kept the scan. It's, it's a, I don't have to worry about protecting that original. I have a digital uh, copy in my Gmail. I can call it up anytime. Yeah. Well, I've got all my ticket stubs up till probably 2009 when they started. I, I believe that was the last one I got a physical copy of. You still have all your ticket stubs. I've got them all up till about 2009 because they did they had stopped. It's you know, I think after that tour, I never got a physical copy again. And then the last one I got was like big, like this big, like a big piece of paper. <laughs> and instead of the usual ticket, you know. And um and you're right, I do recall my ticket being ripped by the by the attendant there and i that always kind of irked me because uh it depends on where they they just chose a spot in the ticket to rip it and i'm like okay i guess I, so i sort of had a little bit of it left and i'd keep it but um i don't know how i had works. a live aid ticket i had a ticket to see the grateful dead on new year's eve and the ticket was like huge and full color on nice stock blue and had a skeleton on it with the hat and everything gorgeous new year's eve grateful dead ticket 1987 to 88 12 31 87 uh and uh this ticket was gorgeous in fact years later they released that show on dvd and they named it 
ticket to New Year's and there's that ticket is the cover of the DVD and I handed it to the guy to get in that show and he ripped that motherfucker right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, I just never, I collected ticket stubs as a kid. That collection didn't make it very long. I I didn't hang on to it. And now if it makes it through if there's if there's a ticket stub these days which there's not but in, even in recent years when we had paper tickets if it would make it through the night without becoming completely destroyed that would be a miracle um well there may be a uh there may be an answer here for us because Charles Cross also says there is a company that will reproduce your ticket and turn it into a paper ticket, a replica of the show you attended. For uh, he says it's about twenty five dollars, and so far this company has sold thousands and thousands of these, according to him. I don't know who's buying that, but I went on makeameme.com and for free, I made a Ticketmaster ticket. My sister does stand up comedy, and I am not professionally. She does it very amateurishly. And uh and I made a ticket stub, uh a ticket master ticket stub that looks like she opened for Louis CK. And uh I'll put it up. Oh, I'll put I it love, up on the I screen. <laughs> and uh and I made that for free, so I don't know who's paying 25 bucks for a replica of their ticket. You can make go ahead, go on, make a meme. Choose make a ticket master ticket and make it yourself for free. And uh and you can even put yourself as the opening band if you want. You can say Bruce Springsteen in the E Street band with special guest Tom O'Donnell. Did you did, did you say your sister opened for Louis C.K.? There's the ticket. There's the ticket right there. That um I love Louis C.K. I think he's the best. That's uh, very impressive if your sister opened for him. I got the ticket to prove it. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So, uh, so Charles Cross, don't bite the hand that fed you for all those years. Nobody's buying a Charles Cross book that's not about Bruce Springsteen. All right. Did he have anything else stupid to say? No, that was it. Very short interview. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just have, uh, some of my lists. If you want to get to that, unless we're forgetting something, I don't think we are about all that happened in Bruce news. I Um, don't remember. I don't want to hear a list of, of Bruce mistakes. Your list of Bruce mistakes to go with Charles Cross's list of Bruce mistakes. I listed it as our list of Bruce mistakes uh, where Bruce went wrong. I'm not I'm not signing off on anything that tries to tell how the most one of the most successful people in American music went wrong. <laughs> how did he go you, wrong? Well, I sent you I sent you a waiver. You were supposed to sign it. Well, I signed nothing. This is Tom O'Donnell's list. Of where Bruce Springsteen betrayed him when he took away the ticket stub collectible. Yeah, this is not necessarily an order, but uh, my first, we got a firing Mike Appel. 
I believe that was uh, on your list also. And you're not pandering him because you want him on the podcast. Well, I do want him on the podcast, but I believe uh, in hindsight, he was he was uh, a really, really good manager. And I think, uh, as we know, of, with John Landau, I mean, just the I don't know if we're sure what what the man does, but Mike Appel really went out of his way to help Bruce. I mean, you, you and those two those first two albums and Born to Run were just so fantastic. This guy, this They're guy, very really good out. Let's let's not forget that since he parted with Mike Appel, he's become one of the biggest rock stars in the world on the same level with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and and mm. and and others at that level, which very 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 few will ever attain. Yeah, I just believe a lot of that credit is due to Mike Appel. And his management. Um, another one is uh, when he replaced Brendan O'Brien as his producer. I believe that was a mistake. When he you know. brought in Brendan O'Brien or when he got rid of Brendan O'Brien? When he got rid of him. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he. for those who don't know, Brendan O'Brien produced The Rising, Magic, and... I believe Devils and Dust. Um, I've never and, had. Uh, I know that a lot of fans don't like the Brendan O'Brien recordings. That they think that yeah. bringing him on was a mistake. I have absolutely no opinion on producers. The albums all sound good to me. I've yeah. not had a complaint about the production of any. I know Bruce was never happy with Darkness, but. I, again, I don't even listen to the albums very long. I listen to live tapes, which the production on, on most of the live tapes that we were listening to before Nugs came along was, you know, kind of low fidelity. So I guess that uh, all studio sounds amazing compared to what I would normally listen to in my car night after night and day after day. So it's hard for me to join in on a producer discussion, a production discussion. I don't know the difference, but it's interesting because I know that a lot of people like had a problem with the Brendan O'Brien recordings. Mm. Well, this one you might agree with uh, Bruce getting married at the height of his born in the USA popularity. I believe he should have played the field instead of settling down for the one, for one prize and when he could have, he could have had them all. He didn't need to. He didn't need to marry anyone. And you don't. You don't buy when you can lease. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Now, remembering that we don't know Bruce Springsteen at all, I'm sure that at that time he discussed his desire, his interest in getting married with the his confidence around him. And uh, and I can't even imagine if if anybody told him what you just said. Hey, you're the biggest rock star in the world. Why don't I mean part? We don't know Bruce, but part of it might be that he wanted to be grounded and not because you know he never wanted to be part of that. I was watching a clip an old clip of someone talking about Bruce. I'm not sure who it was, but they were like, 
even if, at the big parties, if there was a big house party or something like that, mm-hmm. he was in the back room writing songs. He never yeah. partied with anybody. And uh, I think, you know, he liked having a girlfriend. He liked having, he wanted to have a wife. He wanted, he didn't want groupies. He liked, you know, he talks about talking to his girlfriend all night in the phone booth. He wanted, yeah. he wants that. He didn't just want the human touch. He wanted the human the connection. I think that's it's always been very important to him. I don't know him, but just, it seems to me, you know, the stories of groupies that you hear, just, you never really hear it about this, about, you know, Bruce Springsteen. You hear about Clarence. Clarence, yeah. Clarence partook in the backstage uh uh what uh, benefits yeah he um he bruce i believe said clarence was always falling in love yes clarence fell in love a lot this is the one that was that was like what was that tunnel of love or that was like a regular bit on tunnel of love yeah you you may be right bruce has always been a proponent of monogamy he really has. He really has. And um, although, if if he's taken literally uh, during on the uh, Devils and Dust, he speaks of sleeping with prostitutes. We don't. We don't know if that the character in those songs are autobiographical, or if this is just very few are autobiographical. Uh, did, I I think I already mentioned this, but with the Christopher Cross, um, Christopher Cross is that his name? It's not, but it's but like- you, everybody <laughs> thinks it should be. I, <laughs> Christopher Cross wrote, wrote the Arthur theme. Uh, yeah, Charles <laughs> Cross. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so uh, dumping the band in '89 would be uh, an obvious one. We've already touched on that. Um, in 1992, releasing two albums at once instead of condensing them into one great album. I believe that in hindsight was a mistake. Did we already Even do a we... show where you talked about combining those two albums? Yes, I did. And um, I mean, looking back, um, it was, they didn't sell very well. They weren't re- well received, but uh, they were great. They got some great songs on each one, of course. There was a but line at midnight the... at my record store. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it would have been better to just to go ahead and release the one and um, with condensing the two of them and just releasing the one. I think that was a, you know, Guns N' Roses did it right. They released Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 and was a, they was very successful. And, and those two albums are excellent. But so why was theirs right? Why was theirs right and Bruce's was wrong? Well, there, it was right because they were great albums, and you know that's what you, that you need that first. And they were great, and they sold very well. And well, I think the, and, I uh, think that Human Touch, Lucky Town are great albums. And I think you know I don't want to rehash the same discussion, but if somebody goes back and uh, and looks, you can find the episode where we discussed Tom's melding of the two albums and what he left off. It's like yeah. several of those left offs are heartbreakers. It's like I would I love those songs. There's not uh 
I can't think of a song on either album that I would say is disposable. Well, um, yeah, it just would have been, they could have been songs that he could have thrown on a tracks release, you know, but not, I believe my list speaks for itself. There would have been one great album instead of two with, you know, maybe a bunch of songs not so great on each one. And then, of course, you got some great songs on there. No doubt about it on both albums. But um, so that's that. Um, then we got uh, another another uh, another mistake was playing 41 shots in New York in 1999 and pissing off the NYPD when they were actually working security for him. That didn't work out too well. Well, I didn't think he would. I don't think he, if he would have known in advance the reaction, you know, you can't predict mob reaction. And that's what that really was. Well, this was um, this was a huge story at the time. And um, that he had to have known that was a that was going to be a big deal. And so so premiering it see i was actually in atlanta when he premiered that song i was at the show the first time he ever did it yeah it went on it went over great and it was a great song but to do it in new york when uh, when but he was, was recording so it i mean they were planning on putting that out you know the the new york shows you yeah know, i mean it's they were doing the hbo song. so he had to play it yeah um well yeah i know the pba was not not happy about that they weren't happy again he played it in 2003 at shea stadium the first night i think he played it the second night but not the third night i i queued up the second and the third night for your for, for your sister's friend uh we're showing her next next week uh but i believe he played it the first night and that led the police to take away the the police escort for night two and then the chief of police came out with a statement and said, no, we don't decide who gets when, when, because we don't like someone's song that we don't do the police escort. And they brought the police escort back on for night three. You remember all that? Yeah. That was New York. It's New York. What do you expect? Yeah. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a great song. And uh, there's just a time and a place when you're going to sing a controversial song like that. Yeah, that was not the time to do it back then in 99. Again, he had in to play in 99. They were recording those shows, those shows, and it was a new song that he wanted to highlight on this recording. Yeah, he did not get very good press. I don't know. I'm not looking at the press. I know that the police seem to have a problem with it. They feel like it's some kind of anthem against them. Yeah, well, I kind of get it, but... Uh, then uh, we got, let me see, uh, not releasing more concert videos over the years. That is definitely a mistake. And I, I guess we could blame John Landau for that. I don't know who, but I think it has a lot to do with Bruce's control freaky nature that he can't, uh, that there's no, there wasn't a Nugs, uh, a Nugs uh, live webcam, web cast this whole tour so far i'm still hoping they're going to get one in before the end of 2024 just one but 
I I mean, he knows that, you know, when they do one, especially if it's live, once it's out there, it's out there. And he hates that, man. He wants to check it and check it twice and overdub it and fix it. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, that's that's him. Fish puts every single show on the web live for 30 bucks. You can watch every single show from home. Uh Bruce is never, ever going to do that. I agree with you. I wish there was a lot more video. I saw an interview with him where he says he now regrets that they didn't film more, that they, mm -hmm. he was so shy about it back in the day. He wishes there was more footage from back in the day. But yeah. he hasn't over... He could overcorrect a little bit by doing a lot now, and he doesn't do a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of these mistakes are he's owned up to a lot of these, but it's still a, and as far also um, as far as um, just along with that would be shelving albums over the years. Yeah, man. Um, another... get in, how do you get in his head? I don't know how to get in his head. If, it, if he doesn't want us to hear it. He's got his reasons. When things he doesn't want us to hear leak, and we're like, hey, that's fucking amazing. It's just hard to figure out. Uh, another um, mistake was releasing Jersey Devil, a Jersey Devil video, the Hungry Heart video, and the This Is Your Sword video, among possible others, but I'm just going to list those three. Uh, didn't we just see the making of the Hungry Heart video? Didn't we just watch that yes. the other day? <laughs> I think it was I think it was universally panned. <laughs> uh, videos. Very, I've, uh, I've never been an MTV video person. You know, uh, my favorite Bruce video from back in the days of MTV was the Rosalita Live video. You know, that's where he shines. Cameras live if they want to do a video. They and that was real live, not like Dancing in the Dark, which was a Brian De Palma picture that was right. like you know meticulously shot. I'm talking about even Broadway wasn't a live concert, they did it live in front of an audience, but they did multiple takes, they did it over three different shows or something, they had different audiences in there, and then they even stopped it while they were going to to like get a couple takes of the same part and uh it's not the same thing as a full length performance of any of those shows that we've seen from handhelds in the audience uh it's a big difference between something that's made for television and something that's caught live and then shown on television a big difference so i like live video a lot and I've never been a big fan of music video, whether it be fake live or conceptual, like the Gaslight Anthems dancing lady in a cornfield for that Bruce song we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I don't get music videos. I've never gotten music videos. You know what my favorite music video of all time, I think, is Twisted Sister. We're not going to take it. Where they just <laughs> yeah tear apart the house that's, that's about all i remember from mtv videos so where that, were we more missteps you still have more missteps on how this 
billionaire, one of the most successful people in the music industry of all time, fucked up his career? Yeah, there's a couple more. Um, some of these are obvious uh, that we've talked about before and that you've agreed with, of course. Uh, releasing Seeger Sessions and touring. For I, love, I love the Seeger Sessions and the tour. I didn't get to see the tour because I was sick the night it played L.A., which was the closest show. I had a bus ticket to get to the Greek get him to the greek i didn't get i didn't get to the greek i should i didn't have uh i didn't have uh what's his name i can't remember the actor's name from get him to the greek uh jonah hill i didn't have jonah hill to get me to the greek i had a fever and i didn't get on the bus i stayed in vegas and i never saw secret sessions but that's a great regret of mine i love the secret sessions not like to listen to every day but I, I don't see it as a misstep in his career. I think a lot of great came out of there. I think a lot of the reworkings of his classics from the Seeger Sessions tour are phenomenal. Okay. Another um, another would be uh, not releasing the entire Carousel show from 2010. Well, I would love to see him release the whole thing. I don't think it's affected his career any. <laughs> it's a Especially since Especially since it's the last appearance of Clarence Clemens before his death. Nobody knows why. Nobody's seen that footage. Maybe it's something wrong with it. Maybe the sound wasn't good. We don't know. You hear from people who were there what he played, and you see what came out, and you assume that that other stuff is just sitting there in pristine quality in the uh, in the vault. But we don't know. We've never seen the raw footage. True. Um, of course, releasing the Soul Covers album. There's releasing Western Stars. What? Uh, there's the... I don't even think you've ever listened to Western Stars. <laughs> Not in its entirety, no. Oh, my God. We're going to have to do a whole show on Western Stars that forces you to prepare by listening to it. Okay. I know there's a small minority of people that do like that. It's album. not a minority of people. The Western Stars has a very, very, very good, good reviews. It's well liked by the fan base. People are bummed out he didn't tour it. Well, there's a reason. Nuts. There's a reason he didn't tour for it. I mean, come on, just like there was no, there was no tour for the the Nebraska album. Well, I don't think it was the same reason that there was no tour for the Nebraska album. But anyway, I'm not going to predict why he didn't tour uh, Western Stars, but uh, he did put out There's a movie, also, and the uh, movie is fantastic. Did you see the movie? Yeah. You saw the movie. Well, then at least you've heard every song on the album because he played I, every song on the album. I don't think we should call it a movie. But we've had this conversation before. It is a, by every definition of the word, it's a movie. What what are the, what is the plot to this movie? Not all movies have plots. Some movies are documentaries, and some are concert films. It is a concert film. That is a movie. Was it a mystery or a comedy? Or not all movies are dramatic comedy they're not all storytelling a movie isn't just a storytelling device it does many many things there's a lots of different types 
of movies, but they're still movies. I don't know why you've. I don't know who taught you that movie just means on, that it has a a fictional or non-fictional narrative. The some of them are concert films. The Talking Heads, uh, stop making sense. That's a movie, right? Played in movie uh, theaters. It was directed by Jonathan Demi. Good director. He's a good director. Um, of, of course, we got uh, another misstep would be the static set lists in the current tour. And hiring the choir singers and the horn section. And uh, that's about Tom, it. Tom O'Donnell's, also, uh, Tom O'Donnell's gripe list. We should do a, we should, I guess there's, it would be too finite to do a segment every week on Tom O'Donnell's gripe list. There's, there's another uh, outtake, which would be um, allowing his hair to go gray and getting that military buzz cut. But uh, that didn't quite make the list, but I thought I'd mention it. Well, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to color your hair. Buzz cut. I like a buzz cut. It's nice and clean. I think it's a good way to go for anyone, even a rock star. I think Bon Jovi looked better when he cut off his golden locks and came out with the buzz cut. Oh, God. He's another <laughs> one who should have continued to color his hair. Oh, Tom, 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 Tom. Do you color your hair yet? Oh, no, I'm still quite we'll young. Well, we'll see what your opinion is when it starts to go gray. I got some gray coming in. Got gray here. Are you going to color it? No. You seem very vain. I would never color my hair in a million years. Okay. Unless maybe I was in a movie. <laughs> um, did you want to hear some of these uh, these other lists? We got best Bruce guitar solos. I've got a top five. All this right, give a... me your list of top five guitar solos, and then we'll play a few rounds of Lurtle. We haven't done that in a while, and uh, and we'll and we'll sign off for this very uneventful Springsteen week. Although I'm looking forward to tomorrow night, 60 minutes. Yes. All right. We got, uh, so top five, here's number five, Adam raised the cane. Then my love will not let you down. The ghost of Tom Jode electric, of course, streets of fire and prove it all night. 78. Now there are light of day. What about light of day? It didn't make the top five. I do have five outtakes. Um, we got human touch because the night Youngstown murder incorporated. These were all outtakes. Human touch was an outtake. These are outtakes from my list. Oh, <laughs> I would call those runners up or honorable mention. <laughs> Outtakes. Um, all right. I think that uh, you got a few prepared Springsteen lurtles to run my way. 
Yes, I'm going to try to stump you today. We haven't done this in a long time, and I think I was thinking this morning, how can we do hurdle so much and lurdle so little? And it's because lurdle requires extra preparation. But this week, Tom prepared a few, and I am going to take a crack and see. I hope they're as easy as the Jeopardy. So this game, Lurtle, is my invention. I combined the word lyric with the word hurdle and came up with this word that I invented called Lurtle. Um, anyway, so I've got uh, a couple of them here. So if you're ready, I'm ready. I'll read two lines. Springsteen lyrics. I got to name the song in the form of a question. Yeah. So anytime, uh, just stop me if you think you got it. I got to, I'll pause if, if uh, uh, or I'll just keep going. All right, here we go. Me, I've got scabs on my knees from kneeling way too long. I know that. That is, if I was the priest. Very good. What is, right. what is if I was the priest? Correct. What is your wager? That's only for Final Jeopardy. Oh. Would you like to buy a vowel? <laughs> All right. My dad, he sweats the same job from morning till morning. Me, I walk home on the same dirty streets where I was born. I'll continue. Up the block, I can hear my little sister in the front seat blowing that horn. Right, is it, that wait, is it is it is it is it long walk home? No, but you're close. I love when you say I'm close. I don't know how you can be close. All right, go ahead. What, what give me another line? I just have a little bit left. The sounds echoing all down Michigan Avenue. Is it used cars? Yes. I think you're getting better at this. Okay. This is a this is a favorite of ours. Um, a story of heroes who fight on at any cost of a kingdom of love. To be won or lost. We'll fight here together till victory is won. Come take my hand till morning comes. Just close your eyes. That's those are a lot of lyrics from one song. I don't know that how is, much more. That is a lot of lyrics from one song, and none of them trigger. Um, ma'am, just get just give me the chorus. <laughs> Do you want me to give to give you the answer? Uh no, I'll read it again. Okay, a story of heroes who fight on at any cost. Kingdom of love to be won or lost. We'll fight here together till victory is won. Come take my hand till the morning comes. Is it blood just brothers? Close your eyes. No, you're right there, though. <laughs> right there. I'm right there. 
<laughs> is it on greatest hits? Is that why I'm right there? It's not on greatest hits. I don't even I don't know even know what I'm right there means. Uh <laughs> I I don't know. Okay. I'll stand by you always. I wouldn't have gonna I wouldn't have got that until you got till the chorus. Okay. Well, I got one here that uh this one you should have no problem with. Okay. Okay. Moonlight, moon bright. Where my luck. I can't even read my own writing, sorry. Where my lucky stars tonight. The streets last in lamplight. The streets, the streets, I don't know if that's correct. Sorry, I'm screwing this up. Uh, then suddenly inside. Heartache, heartbreak, love gives, love, love takes. It's uh, it's from Western Stars, but uh, right, it's from Western Stars. Correct. I can't come up with the title. I'll give you one more line here, maybe. The book of love holds its rules, disobeyed by fools. Now that didn't help. Well. I got the melody in my head, but I can't get there. It is one of uh, my two favorite songs from Western Stars. I'm glad you have favorite songs on Western Stars. It is... Sunlight? Very close, but no. It is... There Goes My Miracle. There Goes My Miracle. Uh, You have any more? I got one more. One I can redeem myself with? If there's time, I got one more. Bring it on. Okay. Skipping over the currents in the air, reaching, reaching to see if you're out there. Come across, come across your radio station, calling out nation to nation. If you can hear me. Then say and all say right. Over. And if you can, meet me in the city tonight. Yes. All right. All right. Redeemed. redeemed. I'm redeemed. Yeah. All right. I think I think that'll take us to the end. Is there anything that you wanted to add or say to the audience this week, Tom? Uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna sign off with something a little different. Please release tracks too. I still have hope. <laughs> All right. The the weekly plea for tracks two. If that thing ever comes out, Tom's going to be at a loss for how to close this show. Uh, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode. And uh, I appreciate you today, Tom, and everybody who listens. We just keep uh, seeing bigger and bigger numbers on the uh on the plays and listens and views on YouTube. And, uh, and it's really been nothing but thrilling. And uh, so for me and Tom, the world's greatest Springsteen podcast loves you.